I think I've showed you this picture before about uh, mirrors and how women love to look in mirrors. Uh, almost our, every room in our house would have a mirror. Now, not, not all people react the same when they look in mirrors, but as we get older, as all, all of us uh, realize, we don't like what we see, the, the wrinkles, the aging. We actually try to avoid the mirror. Picture some women every week, you know. Uh, someone said that it's hard for uh, women to be politicians because they have to uh, do makeup on two faces. We, we, we try to, to fill up the cracks, as we all know. Uh, we, we're born, uh, we become young boys and girls, uh, we get married, and then we grow older, and then we die. Life is all about change. Change. And change is not a favorite topic in many churches. You all know the old Presbyterian joke about the new minister who asked the simple question, who is responsible for changing the light bulbs in the church? And the immediate reaction was, change? Who wants to change anything? It's one of the saddest jokes you can ever hear. Why? Because the book of Acts is the story of amazing change. People who were there changed all the way. What makes the story so incredible is that the personnel, when Jesus died, were the same as the people in the book of Acts, with the exception of one. We read that the same disciples who ran away when Jesus was arrested are now spreading the word of God into the world. We read about Paul who was a persecutor of the church and was stopped on the road to Damascus and changed and suddenly became an apostle. At the beginning of the book, the disciples are still a bit confused. They, they asked after the resurrection of Jesus and just before his ascension, Lord, is it now the time that you are going to restore the kingdom of Israel. And, and Jesus said, I think you misunderstood. You misunderstood my death, my resurrection. You misunderstood what it was all about. This is not about national duty. This is about international service. And therefore he answers, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
And then we read on the day of Pentecost that Peter, full of God's Spirit, stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. <coughs> and we all know what happened. 3,000 people <coughs> became Christians. Let me just get this. As we say, uh, frog out. <coughs> In Acts chapter 3, Peter heals people and he speaks at the temple. In Acts chapter 4, he stands before <coughs> the rulers, the elders, the teachers of the law, Annas, and the priest, uh, and Caiaphas. And then he says the following, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. This same man who ran away, this same man who denied Christ, he says this is the way of salvation. And then he says, you have to decide whether we should be silent and obedient to you or whether we should be obedient to God. And then we come to the to Acts 10 that we've, we've read this morning. Here, Peter, again, like on the day of Pentecost, introduces everybody to the basic message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He speaks about Jesus' life. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. That's about his ministry, his life. And then he says, but, but people were not satisfied with this Jesus, so they killed him by hanging him on a tree. A reference to De Deuteronomy. The cursing. The cursing of the Son of God. But God raised him. He speaks about his resurrection. And he was seen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And this message of his life, death, and resurrection were all planned. It was all part of God's will through the centuries because the prophets testified about this Jesus, he says. And we, he says, we have a responsibility to go out and tell people about Jesus, of his life, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection, because he 
will come again. He is appointed the judge of the living and the dead. What's the meaning of all of this? Why is it so important? Because everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins through his name. So Jesus' life, death, resurrection, the mission that we have, why do we have this mission? Because through him, our past is wiped out. Through him, there is nothing that stands against us anymore in the eyes of God when we trust in Jesus. He calls this the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. He, he speaks about good news, gospel, gospel of peace. This is what we sang this morning. This story, this old, old story, how God embraced us and how God loves us and how he wants the whole world to believe in him. Tell me the old, old story of Jesus and his love. How many times in your life have you heard the old, old story? What age are you? Multiply that only by years and say, if I'm 35, maybe I've heard it 35 times. How have you responded to that? What impact did it have on your life so far? I didn't sleep too well last night. And uh, I, I was preparing a, a curry for today. And, and for some reason, I woke up in the middle of the night and thought, I haven't put the slow cooker on. So I got up uh, and disturbed Olga in her sleep. But I couldn't sleep after that, and I, I was, then this, I decided, well, the only way uh, now for me uh, is to pray. And I prayed for all my children and my stepchildren. I prayed for them by name. And what I prayed is, Lord, they have heard this story over and over and over again. And maybe, Lord, yes, I know that some of them have made a commitment to the Lord. But Lord, what I, what I pray for them today is that they will be transformed by your Holy Spirit. Not that they would only know in their minds that Jesus died and was raised to life, but that they would be transformed by the Spirit of God to be followers of Jesus Christ, to act as Christians so that you will fill their minds 
with the power of your Spirit, that their minds will be focused, Lord, on you amidst all the temptations that they have in their life. And we, here we sit, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday in our lives. What impact did the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ have on us? How has it transformed you in your life? You know, Peter is a very interesting figure. When we compare what he is saying here in Acts chapter 10 with the speeches earlier in the, in the gospel or in, in, the, in the Acts of the Apostles, it sounds more or less the same. But there is a massive difference. We find this difference in the opening words of Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Listen clearly what he says. I now realize. Is this not the man who was filled by the Holy Spirit on Pentecost? Is this not the man who stood up and spoke? spoke to people about Jesus, healed people, and now he says, I now realize something new in my life. You see, the difference is not in the message. The difference is in Peter. The same Peter who spoke with fire in the power of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Day now confesses that he has changed again. That something happened in his life. That he again changed. You're never too old to change. It's never too late to change. In his case, it was a radical insight. Peter lived in the early Christian society where there was a distinction made between Jews and Greeks and slaves and free people and civilized and uncivilized people. And someone writes that even though these people were Christians, they had difficulty to restrain their aggressive attitudes towards one another. There was a mentality of violence even amongst the Christians. Congregations were divided in different groups and Jewish Christians took the lead in that because they believed that they were better than others. They were the special people. They were the pure people. And the other people were impure and unclean. This was their tradition. This is what they believed. This was their religion. And now it has changed because Peter, just before this, had a massive Revelation. He had a dream. <laughs> he saw the heaven opened. We read in chapter 10, verse 11. 
and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. And it all kind of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. And for a Jew, that was horrendous. And you know what he was told to do? Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter said. I've never eaten anything impure and unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this was a vision for him to understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not only for the Jews, but for everybody, even those people that they despised. The next moment on his doorstep stood men inviting him to Cornelius, a Roman soldier who believed. When Peter met Cornelius, he then said, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure and unclean. See, sometimes something very special has to happen to us to open our eyes for the will of God in our lives. You know that I grew up during the time of apartheid in South Africa. Years ago in South Africa, a letter was published in a newspaper. It was written by a boy in his senior secondary school years. He wrote about the way that he always looked at different races. And he was led to believe all the things that were taught to him by political leaders and, and parents and teachers. Then something radical happened to him that changed his whole perspective. It is something very simple, something that we would take for granted, but not in a racially divided society where people look down on others as non-human beings. A black boy that played near him hurt himself. The white teenager saw something that he's never seen or imagined before. Red blood came out of a black boy. Just the same blood as his own. You realize that it is only on the outside that we look different, but that we are all human beings loved by God. Totally different from what he was taught. Something had to happen in his life to change his mind. And Peter discovered here as well that the gospel of peace is much more than peace between God and human beings. It is also about the peace between people, reconciliation between people. I now realize 
He says that God does not show favoritism, but accepts people from every nation who fear him and do what is right. This is what Paul says later in Ephesians chapter 2, when he says that through Jesus, we both, Jews and Greeks, have access to the Father by one spirit. We have only one Father through Jesus Christ. What makes us the people of God is faith in Jesus Christ, not race or background or language or denominations. All by God's grace. This story highlights one of the basic aspects of our, of our Christian life. Let me explain it uh, with a, a proverb we have in Afrikaans. I'll say it in Afrikaans because maybe you'll find it interesting. A jackal may lose its hair, but not its tricks. Deep inside we believe that people cannot change. Maybe we do not believe it because of our own resistance to change. We know how difficult it is to speak to a person who has a specific opinion about something. And they decided to go a specific way to, to fight for a specific cause, they will not change. That's what we say. But the Christian life is about change. Every day, every day, continuously, it never stops. Maybe you're at a point where you have stopped changing. Not outwardly, but inwardly. Maybe you're resisting the Spirit of God in your life. Maybe you don't give Him a chance to speak to you because you don't read the Bible anymore. Maybe go to Sunday worship once in a while. Paul says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be changed. Even though Peter was full of the Holy Spirit, even though he had the courage to speak everywhere, he was caught up in his own ideas and his tradition of so many years of his forefathers, the old ways of thinking. But God changed him. He opened his eyes. It was a radical thing that had to happen in his life. Maybe you know the story of Stephen Covey. He, he tells this as a true story about a ship at sea on a, on a dark and stormy night. And the crew member spoke to the captain. He said, Captain, Captain, uh, sorry to wake you, but we have a serious problem here. 
well, what's the problem? The crew member said, there's a ship in our sea lane about 20 miles away, and they refuse to move. Captain, the captain said, what do you mean they refuse to move? Just tell them to move. We're a warship. And the crew member said, sir, we've told them, but they will not move. I'll tell them, he said. So he said, move starboard 20 degrees. The signal returns, move starboard yourself 20 degrees. The captain said, I cannot believe this. <coughs> well, I'm the captain. Let them know who I am. <coughs> I'm important. This is Captain Horatio Hornblower, 26. <coughs> Commanding you to move starboard 20 degrees at once. <coughs> Signal returns. This is Seaman Carl Jones, the second, commanding you to move starboard 20 degrees at once. The captain said, what arrogance, what presumption. Here's a seaman commanding me, a captain. Signal, again, this is mighty Missouri, flagship of the Seventh Fleet. The signal returns. This is the lighthouse. That's a true story. <laughs> it's found in the Naval Proceedings magazine. When a lighthouse was literally interpreted as a ship. Sometimes we are forced to make changes to change direction by radical circumstances. Maybe through illness. Sometimes it is through something that happened to us, something terrible, or if our eyes are open, through something good. But you know what? Spirit-filled Christians don't need to be forced. They grow. They want to grow. They see God. They want to see God. Where are you heading with your spiritual life? What do you do to grow? Have you withdrawn from the Christian community during the week? because you don't think that it's important. If we were in Peter's shoes and someone spoke to us about the life and death and resurrection, would you start with the words, I now realize God has shown me his gospel has made a difference in my life. Remember, we're always under construction. We never finished. God is never finished with us. The well-known German theologian Dorothy Zöller spoke at a press conference about the resurrection hope 
and this certainty that God has the power to change people and situations. And then a journalist asked her, Dr. Zoller, do you really believe that people can change? And she answered, this is the most atheistic question I've ever heard. When we say Christ has risen, he has truly risen, people change. Then we identify with those who are broken and the poor, she said. We say and mean it, we are content, we love one another, we love Mother Earth. We devote our lives to peace, we change arms into so and swords into plowshares. The power of the resurrection should be visible in our lives. Do you believe that people can change? Do you believe that God can change you? He can, and he wants to, and he wants to do it now. Let's pray together. <coughs> Father, we, we stand before you as people who have heard so many times the old, old story. And we come now to you and ask that you would speak into each heart here this morning. That you would show us the change we need. And by the power of your spirit, Lord, that you will change us. Give us the longing for that change in our lives that only you can do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.